Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Glad you joined us today for uh, the podcast. We're in Victoria Falls today by way of postcard. This is a postcard given to me by my super dear friends, the McCrums, Roger and Darlene McCrum, members of our church, veteran missionaries, 40 years in South Africa. But uh, Victoria Falls, this is the Zambia view of the falls. Just an amazing postcard. Uh, They were there and spent some time there when they were on the mission field, got a nice little getaway. But uh, they spent most of their time planting churches and reaching people for Christ. And they today serve as two of my greatest examples, prayer partners. And I sure do love you, Roger and Darlene. So thanks for remembering me. We are in Mark chapter nine in our podcast today. And we're finishing, I'm sorry, Mark chapter eight. We're finishing uh, chapter eight today. And I want you to join me in verse number 34. So Mark chapter eight and verse number 34, where the Bible says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also. So Jesus has been clarifying the purpose and ministry of Messiah. That Messiah, although he will no doubt rule and reign, and he will no doubt be the king and throw off all oppression and rule with that rod of iron, that that day will come for sure. But remember, the initial ministry of Messiah is to seek and to save that which is lost. And the initial ministry of Messiah is the mission of redemption. And the disciples had missed that. So Jesus is clarifying that and even rebuking Peter and the others for not fully subscribing to that. And now Jesus expands his teaching to include some others. And in verse number 34, He called the people unto him with his disciples also and said unto them. So verse number 34, whosoever will come after me. So whosoever will, I I love that term, don't you? Whosoever will. We typically apply that to salvation. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what does real discipleship look like for the follower of the Lord Jesus? Well, Jesus never used a bait and switch method to calling disciples to follow him. Jesus was always very clear from the outset what discipleship entailed. Unlike many of our messages in modern ministry, where we almost kind of cheerlead people to follow the Lord. Like, come on, shish ba, you can do this, rah, 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 come on, following Jesus, health, wealth, prosperity, peace, joy, fame. And I know we don't say it in that terminology, but sometimes unwittingly, we kind of give this impression that, hey, follow Jesus, all your problems are solved. And that's not the teaching of the Bible. The teaching of the Bible is that following Jesus 
brings a certain level and certain kind of problem to the believer. If any man, the Bible says, will do his will. No, that's not the verse I'm looking for. Um, Oh, here's one. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Uh, the Bible says in, uh, well, Paul said to Timothy, he said, uh, if any, if, whosoever will live godly in Christ Jesus uh, shall suffer persecution. All you have to do is desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, and you're going to suffer persecution. So uh, Jesus talked about counting the cost. Uh, another great passage, I think even a little bit more entailed than this one, is Luke chapter 14, when he talks about, hey, count the cost. Don't build that tower halfway. Count the cost. Think about all that goes into serving God. I think about those would-be disciples of Jesus in Luke chapter 9 that said, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. That's kind of like a statement for full-time Christian service. I'll go anywhere for Jesus. I'll go any plow. I'll do anything. And Jesus said, well, foxes of the, fo- of the field have their holes and birds of the air have their nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. Are you really going to follow me? It involves deprivation. It involves rejection. It involves, in this passage, suffering. So Jesus is very careful to lay out from the very beginning what does following him entail. So Jesus says, whosoever will come after me. So I'm leading the way. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do or that Jesus did not do, looking back historically, that he did not do himself. That's what a real leader does. He knows the way. He goes the way. He shows the way. That's what Jesus is doing here. So whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. That's number one. So discipleship involves self-denial. Now, we hear a lot today about self-approbation, about self-fulfillment, about selfishness, about self-esteem. It seems as if American Christianity that is built on self uh, almost is like Christianity itself is like a success ladder. It's like a way for status. And even in our churches and in our organizations, we've kind of created the Christian version of celebrityism. And that's not biblical discipleship because Jesus said biblical discipleship involves self-denial, saying no to self. I wonder when's the last time you said no to yourself in view of serving God? A no to your flesh, no to your desire, no to the potential to get this or be that. That's what, that's what discipleship is. It's a matter of self-denial. Self-abnegation is a good word to think of there. And so if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And then the Bible says, and take up his cross. Now, that's very interesting because when Jesus said, take up his cross— Jesus had not yet taken up his cross. As a matter of fact, they had no idea how Jesus would die. Jesus didn't tell them in this passage, I'm going to die on a cross. That would be the last thing in their mind. Uh, They didn't believe he was going to die, period, let alone the, 
the gruesome and shameful and horrific death of a cross. And yet they all knew what that meant. They all knew what a cross was. They all knew that this was the the worst way that a person could die and the most uh, the, the most uh, in your face, uh, uh, the most in your face execution technique that the Romans used to say, we are in charge and we're going to quell any kind of rebellion in the most heinous way possible. That's what the cross was. And to take up the cross was what the Romans made the criminal do. Remember, Jesus bore his cross from the place of torture to the place of execution, from Antonio's fortress to Golgotha. He he carried the cross. Remember, Jesus even fell beneath the load of the cross, and Simon of Cyrene helped him carry that cross. That was what the Romans did. The Romans made the prisoner bear the cross. That was kind of their last act of will, that we are going to tell you what to do, even in the way that we kill you, bear the cross. So bearing the cross was a matter of resignation to the authority to say, I will do what the authority has told me to do. Bearing the cross was a matter of public shame. You would bear that cross down that way of suffering as you went to uh, the place of death, bearing the cross uh, was a, a means of identification. I'm identifying with the the what has been declared over me. I've been declared a thief, or I've been declared a robber, I've been declared a murderer. And that actually, that sentence was nailed to the cross. When they carried the cross and the cross was put in the ground, that crime was written above your head. This was a thief. This was an insurrectionist. For Jesus, remember, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. And uh, the religious leaders didn't like that, but that's that was his crime, so to speak. So when Jesus said to his disciples, deny yourself, take up the cross, that's what's in their mind. What's in their mind is, ooh, I need to be submissive to what has been laid upon me. I need to take up my cross. I need to be willing to embrace the suffering that sometimes the Christian life will entail. Uh, I need to be willing to allow my authority, in this case, Jesus, to identify me. I need to live by my identity as a disciple of Jesus. And that's tough. That might mean that the onlooking crowd is going to spit and jeer. That might mean that ultimately I will die for my beliefs, but I am willing. Is that your spirit today? And so deny, uh, take up the cross, and then follow me. And I think there's great comfort in that because what Jesus is saying is when you deny yourself and when you take up your cross, you're walking the road that I walk and you are following me. So I am with you on that journey, and I am leading the way on that journey, and you are identifying with me on that journey. You are not alone, and that's a great comfort in this process, is it not? Truly to follow Jesus is to follow him in his footsteps of suffering. Uh, I I think about 1 Peter chapter 2, where it talks about the following the footsteps of Jesus. Read that carefully. That's in the context of being willing to bear suffering. So, wow, some pretty hard to uh, handle truth here. Not hard to understand, 
but hard to really assimilate, isn't it? Look at verse number 35, where he kind of explains this denial and cross-bearing and fellowship. Look at verse number 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what did the profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So Jesus attaches this kind of fellowship and this kind of discipleship, this kind of belief in Jesus to ultimate glory. Don't, don't expect for you to share in the glory of Christ if you don't share in his shame. That's why when we come to Christ by faith, what are we doing? We're identifying with him in his shame. He died on the cross for my sin. My sin had to be dealt with brutally. It had to be dealt with in a painful way. And Jesus was willing to identify with me naked and bleeding and dying on a cross. I must be willing to identify with him. And yes, one day we will identify with him in glory and rule and reign with him. But before the crown is a cross. And that's why as disciples, those that follow the Lord, we need to lose our life. Like it's not about what I can get and what I can be and what I can have and the pleasure and the status and the stuff that this world offers. No, it's, Lord, I want to please you wherever that pathway leads. And I'm willing to give up what appears to be what this life is all about. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And I'm willing to say, these things are not of the Father. They're of the world. The world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And I want the real life. And the real life is the Christ life. And the real life is the life that honors him and follows him in spite of the pain and the suffering that come alongside of it. Because one day it will be worth it all. And I've not done justice to these last few verses, but just for sake of time, I'll let you meditate on that, and we'll start a, a brand new chapter next episode. So think about it. I reread those verses carefully today. What is your life? Uh, your life is only really of value as it's the life that follows Jesus. Come what may, come what will. That's the life that really matters. I wonder today, are you living the life of true discipleship for Jesus? Think about it. I'll see you next time. We'll start chapter number nine. Until then, God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.